Deval Patel. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Lotus Laboratories, which is developing a ring that could benefit everyone, but especially those with disabilities. The ring will enable people to turn lights and devices on and off by pointing and clicking. He'll share details about the device and insights about his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. We empower you. Deval, thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to have you here with me today to talk about the great stuff you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Thanks, Devin. Uh, you are working on this great technology. I, I, I picture the uh, the remote control of my youth, right? The big, <laughs> clumsy, infrared remote, right, that we would use. And they're, they're sexier today, but some remotes still use the same technology. But you've put that now into a ring, a little tiny device I can wear on my hand and it's a game changer for a lot of people with disabilities and other difficulties, uh, you know, that people experience when they're older and stuff. So tell us about how you've done this and what it, what people use it for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think you, you put it precisely right. In essence, we've built a ring that you can put on that moves unsmart objects at home by pointing. And unlike any traditional smart home tech, there is no rewiring, no app, no internet. And it really all started with me. I have intermittent short-term disability myself. So in other words, I'm often unconscious for multiple months every year. And one night I had just gotten into bed only to realize I'd left the hallway lights on. But I was too exhausted to sort of climb out of bed, hop on the crutches, hobble 10 feet, turn off the light, hobble back 10 feet, and get back into bed. So. I slept with the lights on the entire night and woke up in the morning, not having slept well, uh, thinking, wait a minute, if someone like me, an engineer, I have 38 patents in sensing and haptics, working in big tech, I managed a division at Apple, with expertise in wall electronics, right? If someone like me isn't even using smart home tech, who is really? Um, but of course, there's this massive imposter syndrome, so I was convinced convinced it was just a me problem. Uh, but then I started digging a little bit and, and started to realize that actually it turns out 91% of homes in the US were built before smart homes, but there's no easy way to upgrade them, right? I mean, let's say best case, um, someone gifts you an, uh, a smart speaker over Christmas, right? You don't even purchase it. Mm -hmm. well, what happens next? What do you have to do next? Well, first, if you wanted to control your lights, you have to rewire those light switches in your home to talk to that smart speaker, right? Because your current ones can't. And you have to do that everywhere. You have to repeatedly rewire a light switch in every room of your house. Then you have to put a smart speaker and replicate a speaker in every room to talk to those rewired light switches. And finally, whichever rooms you choose to not do that in, usually because of privacy, um, either in your bedroom or your bathroom, you know, private areas, then you have to re-download an app anyway. And if you net all that out, that ends up being about $2,000, 11 hours of rewiring and a lot of effort. So we said, well, why don't we start to eliminate all of that? So putting on the ring once eliminates the need to repeatedly put a speaker in every room, right? You put it on once, it goes with you wherever you go. Using magnets to attach 
we eliminate the need for rewiring. And using infrared, just like you were saying, eliminates the need for internet, an app, or even a smartphone. Essentially, it lets you go from home to smart home in less than 60 seconds and at one-third the cost. And most importantly, you can actually take it with you wherever you go. Versus with smart home tech today, the best case, everything I just described, is assuming you own the home. If you rent an apartment, there's no solution. And so we wanted to really make sure that this was accessible truly in, in every sense of the word to, to everyone. And from my perspective, of course, coming back to my own story, the real goal is the people who need this the most are persons with disabilities, seniors, veterans. Um, one of the people we'd interviewed put this in sort of a very concise way, which was, I don't feel disabled because I can't run a marathon. I feel disabled when I have to ask my 12-year-old daughter to come from another room just to turn off the light that's four steps away from me. That's when I really feel disabled. And and I, I can completely relate. And so that, that was the genesis. Yeah, it, it is a profound insight, right? That so much of the dignity that is challenged by disability comes from those simple things, not the difficult things. Right. And so you're working on making those simple things more independent, uh, turning on and off a light switch. Yeah, exactly. So how does the technology work? So if you're not rewiring, tell us how the ring magically turns on or off a light switch. Yeah. um, Well, it's a, it's a simple three-step process. Well, step one, you just put the ring on. That's it. You put it on your forefinger and there's a button so you can click it with your thumb. And I'll talk more about that in, in a minute. Step two, we have these magnetically attachable skins that you can just attach to anything in your home. And so the, the most popular request being any kind of wall switch. It doesn't matter what it controls. It can control the wall switch, can control lights, fans, appliances like AC and so on. It doesn't matter what it does. You just magnetically attach it to existing switches. So you just bring it near the switch and it snaps on magnetically and then the third just point and shoot that's it put the ring on snap on the skin point and shoot that's it and that way you can control lights fans appliances around your house what we're working on next is curtains and faucets that's the next most commonly requested and finally this is a little farther out doors so it's a slightly more engineeringly complex problem um, it's a two-part system and it's a heavier mass. So, um, but yeah, in a nutshell, like, like you said, it's, it's the little things, but if you think about it, the little things are not optional, right? It doesn't, it, let's say you've won a lottery and you're the richest person on the planet. Well, there are still some things you have to do just to exist, right? You have to eat, you have to go use the bathroom, you have to shower, change your clothes, And to do those things, you have to get out of bed and move about around the house, right? Those six things are absolutely necessary. You can't not do those things. And the fundamental level, if you translate that one level deeper, if you peel the onion, to do those six things, what do you have to do? Well, you need some type of light. In the daytime, it's sort of natural light, like curtains. But in the evening, it's electric lights. But you need some light source. You have to open and close doors to move about in different spaces. And then once you're in the space, 
have to control something. It's either controlling an appliance, the most commonly requested one being television, or a water source like a faucet or a tap. And that's what we're trying to do because that most of those categories don't even exist in home tech today. And the categories that do exist are very have a very high barrier to entry because of all the installation. And even if you install them, then it's all the use. It's not simple to use, uh, simple to use or simple to install. Yeah, so it really is remarkable when you think about uh, the bathroom. Let, let's be clear, uh, you know, showering or bathing, um, you know, installing smart stuff in there would be really challenging. Uh, but your little battery-powered attachment that you just pop on there could be really easy to attach. Yeah. Uh, and then the ring, I presume it's waterproof, right? Yep. So you wear it in the shower, you zap yep. that, turn the shower on and off. I mean, that could really, I mean, that's a, what a life changer Yeah. For, and, for folks that have been having someone come in to the bathroom for exactly. those in, intimate, private moments. Uh, and, and now they can do more of that alone, right? Yeah. In, in fact, you touched on this earlier. In many ways, I don't think of the product as the, as the tech or even the device. The product is actually for the caregiver and the care receiver. For the caregiver, it's peace of mind. And more importantly, for the care receiver, and you just touched on this, the product is dignity. The dignity that you get from the independence of doing those intimate things alone, right? Because all the things I just mentioned there are things not to take care of your home or your life. There are things to take care of your body. It's usually very intimate. And so yeah. the, the real product is dignity, just like you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of a, of a bidet. And so it's easy for me to see how using a bidet, uh, someone who's been for years yeah. required to have someone help them with toileting. Yeah. Could, could begin to do that independently, right? Because lots of people who are in a chair, uh, anyway, yeah, I, boy, that would yeah. be a game changer for and, a lot and of in people. Fact, in fact, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I'll go further to say one of our core philosophies is to build our, our mission statement, right? Our mission, the, the reason we exist is to build a tech that is optimized for persons with disability, but usable by everyone, right? And sure. The example you mentioned, let's just use that, right? A bidet. It's helpful to everyone. Everyone can use it. Everyone can benefit. But if you're elderly, if you're senior, if you've sort of had an injury, if you've been in an accident, then it's not just helpful. It's sort of a game changer. And why shouldn't everything be built that way? If if the real product of the tech is dignity, our product as a company is to change that mindset. Why shouldn't everything be built that way? And the crazy part is disability is the only minority group that you can join at any time by anyone. Yeah. And the best That's example of this is point. if everything works out exactly as we hope, our hope is to grow old. And the first thing that happens is you start to develop these forms of disability and you don't think about it, right? So why, right. if we know we're all going to get there eventually, and that's in fact the best case scenario, that's our hope. 
<laughs> right, right. We don't see as well. We don't hear as well. Yeah, yeah, we cause... can't lift as heavy an object. Yeah. We can't go up the stairs as fast, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right. So why not yeah. build tech that's optimized for our parents, our grandparents, and still usable and beneficial to everyone? And someday we want to be them. And so why not, you know, have that be the situation? So that's our that's our core philosophy. And this is this is especially true for hardware where it requires forethought. And as we like to say, you know, we, we interview a lot of people to incorporate lived experiences into the DNA of the product. And this is especially true for hardware because, you know, after you've been working for it on it for about a year or two, you can't change it at the last minute. Um, it truly needs to be incorporated into the DNA of the product. And so that's our, that's our core philosophy. That's why we exist. That's what we believe in. Yeah. You spent a number of years at Apple. You're a big deal there. Uh, and uh, you even got a patent uh, for Apple while you were there, if I understand correctly, uh, among your 30-some patents. Yeah. One was yeah. uh, for Apple. How did your Apple experience inform the new product development of at uh, Lotus Laboratories? Sure. I think in, in two key ways one is so my expertise is in human interface in user design user experience and and the core of the product and and this is actually one of our principles at lotus technology should be invisible it should appear when you need it and disappear when you don't and in fact if it can disappear even when you need it that's kind of the gold bar and an easy example of this, and it's intuitive, is when you go to turn off or on a light switch, right, manually. Do you tend to look at your own finger or do you look at the object you're trying to manipulate? Right? You're actually looking at the light switch. You're not focused on your finger, even though that is the tool through which you're achieving what you want to achieve. And that's, that's our philosophy on tech. You can do all this cool stuff. But the idea isn't to brag about it to the user. You've really done your job well if it completely disappears. And then things just happen the way you want it to happen. The, the oftentimes the quote being, it just works. And in fact, an easy example of this is, you know, I used to run user studies when I was at Apple and we would do these tests. We would do an A-B test where we would take two computers, you know, when I was working on the 3D touch haptic trackpad. And we would only change out the trackpad and measure everything to ensure everything else is the same, only the trackpad's different. And then we would go give them to users. And this is my favorite part. We would you know, have them do certain things like browse on the internet and so on. And then we would ask them, which laptops experience do you like better? And this is one of the few times I can say it was actually consistently 100%. Everyone liked the new one better. But here's where it gets interesting. When we ask them why, they nobody said i don't know everyone said all kinds of reasons that we had data to say that's not true you know people would say this is louder or quieter or um, this is faster right. and we you know we have objective measurements to show that's not the case it's interesting that people know when they love a product but not always why they love it and that's the true right. beauty you have these moments of joy but you don't you can't necessarily put a finger on this is exactly why I like it. You know, the, the audible noise yeah. is X dB lower or this, you know, 
And so that's our core philosophy at Lotus, which is, you know, we don't want, we want the technology to be subtle, to sort of immerse itself in your life and sort of be in the background. And, and your private moments should be private and your data should be yours. And you should still be able to do all the things you want, no matter what stage of life you're at. And that's kind of, I would say that's our core philosophy and, you know, something I learned from Apple. That and yeah. scale. Yes. Scale. Boy, wouldn't it be great to see this scale up? Uh, uh, yeah, because, no, I was going to say, ultimately, got, I, ultimately, we ahead. want this sort of to, to be everywhere, right? I mean, if you add up all the Amazon Echoes and uh, Google Homes and, you know, all the smart speakers and all the smart home tech, interestingly enough, at least until pre-pandemic, it was only 18% of the total market. And that's after about a decade. And those are amazing pieces of technology, mind you. They're, they're great, right? They're super helpful for a lot of people, especially people who are blind in many ways. And so, but but the barriers to entry, even after a decade, have, have sort of, there's this little bit of a glass ceiling where they've capped out. And that's in the developed countries. In the developing countries, it's around 1% to 2%. This is from a study that actually Google ran with Accenture. And so our hope is that everyone has, as our users call it, everyone has the power of telekinesis everywhere in the world. That's the end vision. That's the ultimate goal where it yeah. sort of goes with you through your stages of life and anywhere, wherever you go. And that's the vision. Well, that, that's a spectacular vision just to make the world operate so much more easily, right? You could use your ring finger to open doors at every office, at every retail outlet, uh, regardless of your mobility status, whether right. you are a marathon runner or a quadriplegic, uh, yeah. you could use that ring to open all the doors if they were all equipped. So yeah, in uh, fact, uh, one yeah. of the things we, you know, we'd like to reflect on is one of the natural benefits that just come about with this is network effects. Right. The, the challenge with smart home tech today is when I come to your home, even if you've surpassed all the barriers I just mentioned, when I come to your home, I can't use, let's say you put smart speakers in every room and do every light switch is rewired. Right? Best case. For me, none of those smart speakers, uh, none of those smart switches are smart because I don't have access to your phone. Yeah. And I don't know what you've named those objects, right? I don't know if this is hallway light or light number one or left light. So, what do I do? I yeah. just walk over and sort of hit the switch. And again, if if you have a disability, if you have any kind of a chronic condition, that's more debilitating, right? Even though you've yeah. done all this work and made your home smart, I have no benefit. But yeah. if I come to your home, I can still turn on your television. And that's the key. That's the key, yeah. which is I can come with my ring to your home and whatever you've given permissions for, I can still control them at a distance. And you can do the same when you come to my home. And so the more people yeah. that get it, the more valuable my investment becomes, the, mo the yeah, better yeah. my quality of life gets. And that, that's key because yeah. ambulation, mobility, as you just mentioned, is the only thing in the human body that has no redundancy if you think about an input-output. If you think of your body as input and outputs, right? you have five senses. If you lose an eye, God forbid, you 
you lose depth perception, but you can still see out of the other eye. If you lose one ear, you lose echolocation, but you can still hear. But with mobility, if you just forget losing a leg, if you just twist your ankle, forget walking, you can't even stand. Ambulation is the only thing for which you need both your legs completely functioning to even get the primary function. I'm not even talking about secondary functions, right? And so yeah, right, it right. doesn't take much. It's not only the largest category of disability. It's 54% of all disability. It's the largest new category of disability every year because it doesn't take much to get into that category. Right? You just twist your ankle or you're playing soccer or, you know, as in my case, you know, just this year, both I tore my ACL. So pre-surgery and post-surgery, I was on crutches. Uh, pregnancy, pr from going from prenatal to postnatal, you have limited mobility. Um, there's there's tons of examples where yeah, that's that's why it's important. Yeah, great, great point. Well, listen, you, you've been so uh, successful, Duval. Duval, I, I I wonder if as as you think about all the things you've done, accomplished, and hope to accomplish, what do you see as your superpower? It's um. It's a good question. I've been pondering about it a lot. To, to be completely honest, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome. I, I don't necessarily think that you know, I necessarily have any more superpower than anybody else. If I had to peg it down to one, it would probably be simplicity. And it's something that you know I got trained at at Apple, probably a little bit innate, but... The ability to take a complex problem and simplify it to its essence. That's probably my superpower. If I had to, if I had to pick one. Yeah. That, that's a, an incredibly powerful superpower. I, I can already imagine how that could be helpful to me. Uh, give, can you think of an example, a time, a specific project or effort where you were able to use that superpower and had a good outcome. Yeah. I mean, so uh, an easy example would be Lotus, but since I just talked about it, let's talk about a broader topic. So let's talk about disability. If any, if, you know, if you talk to anybody else in the disability space, disability justice, disability advocacy, everyone, the first thing they will tell you is disability is a spectrum. There's not one type. Um, everyone has their own lived experience. This is important, right? This is key. Um, your experience of using a wheelchair is probably not the same as mine because we have, we've lived different lives. You know, someone who's had um, polio as a child and has been using a wheelchair for 20 years, their experience is very different than, let's say, someone who unfortunately had a car accident and could walk up until yesterday, but can't walk today. Didn't both using a wheelchair, but very, very different experience. And now, if, if, you're, if you've just started thinking, okay, well, I believe this is my mission in life. I want to build tech that is optimized for disability, but usable by everyone. Where do you start? Right? It's this complex problem. I want to help disability by using my skill, which is building technology, specifically hardware tech. Where do you begin? And after a lot of interviews... I've distilled it down, and, and this is not perhaps the only way to explain it, but I'll tell you how I think of disability 
in a simple way now in my mind. Disability can be described as a three-dimensional axis. The first is how most of us tend to think about disability. Anatomically, what is not functioning as expected. The second dimension is what that anatomical disability is preventing you from functionally doing. So maybe I can't clean my home. Maybe I can't walk stairs. Maybe I can't take a shower. So the first is physical. Second is functional. And the third axis is time. How did it happen? And how long is it going to last? It's a two by two matrix, right? Acute versus chronic on one axis and temporary versus permanent. Now, from, and, and now I can tell you clearly where we want to start and ultimately help all of these people, right? So our focus today mm-hmm. on the anatomical front is to help mobility disability. On the functional front is to help you with things you have to do every day at home, what's called often activities of daily living, making that easier. And on the third axis, acute, permanent, which is any kind of trauma, you know, veterans being the biggest most important category there, and chronic permanent, which is elderly. But the ability to take this extremely complex, you know, what is disability? We all have different experiences to distill it down to that framework. So now I can engineer a solution for specifically the people I'm trying to help. That is a very powerful, um, that's a very powerful mindset. Because what previously seemed like this massive amorphous problem statement is now definitive. And the key here is a framework. And I find that I tend to create a framework for pretty much anything I'm thinking about. And then I find it helps me traverse any kind of massively complex space, including philosophy, um, much cleaner, much much more um, efficiently. Yeah. So that, that's a, a great story. And you helped, you began uh, to provide a description of your process. I wonder if we could revisit that process um, and so that other people can emulate it. You talked about your axes and matrices and, and uh, I got a bit uh, I don't want to say distracted, but I wasn't, sure. I, I couldn't, I couldn't right now. Yes. It. Yes. Yes. But I wonder if you could walk us through you, the way you organize complexity into simplicity. Cause it seems to me you kind of have a framework you use that could apply to a lot of situations, maybe not everyone, but a yeah. lot of situations where you could take uh, the Deval Patel process and say, ah, complexity organized into simplicity. Can you do that for us? See see if it works. Yeah. Um, A, it's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, if If I had to describe the process, usually the first part of the process is just collecting information. And, you know, it's uncategorized. You just go talk to everyone, read whatever you need to, Research the problem, whatever you're trying to solve or whatever you're trying to achieve. And it's usually disparate. 
it's usually sort of, you know, sort of amorphous all over the place. Now that's a good thing. You actually want to, it's the analogy I would use is collect all your Lego blocks, right? Find them everywhere that they are and pile them up in one spot. And there's unorganized. Step two is finding fundamental building blocks. So, you know, if you're, if you've built, if you've piled up all your Lego blocks, categorize them, bucket them in sort of, Oh, these all tend to be just the rectangles. These tend to be squares. These tend to be sort of these pillar L shaped things. And you'll, you'll often find even in a massively sort of complex heap of information, you can find buckets and sort of your mind sort of naturally oftentimes, you know, because our mind is trying to use the least amount of mental effort to get through whatever you're trying to do. So it has this natural tendency to bucketize information. And then the third is once you found the buckets, what is the simplest explanation or the simplest framework that can connect those dots? And, and that last part sounds simpler than it is. You sort of have to keep chipping away. I, the analogy I like to use is, it's something that's working in your mind as you're driving along or taking a shower or sort of, you know, doing your laundry. Imagine if you had a stone and you were chipping away at it, you know, every time you're thinking about it. And over time, this sculpture will emerge. And, and I find that sort of the, the beautiful part of the process, which is, you know, you've, you've piled all your information together. You've piled all your Lego blocks. You've, you've categorized them. So now they're still, you know, unorganized, but now there's sort of, four categories or five. And then you find sort of a simple way to connect the dots, right? Okay. Well, the purpose of this heap is X and this is Y and this is Z. And you, you find all these beautiful combinations that you can come up with. And I find if I had to describe my process in a nutshell, I think that's essentially what it ends up being. And in fact, I've used that framework to, to answer, you know, the reason I started doing Lotus was I was trying to answer the question, what is the purpose of my life? And I use the same framework to, figure that out. The, the purpose of my life is, and I think this applies to most people, spend time doing things you love with people you love. And spend your time doing something meaningful, whatever that means to you. And if you do just one or the other, you'll, you won't, you know, at the end of your life, you won't feel it's purposeful. If you only spend time doing things you love with people you love, let's say you travel the world, do everything, spend, you know, you're a billionaire and that's all you do you may not feel you, you had a fulfilled life, a purposeful life. But on the other hand, if all you do is do purposeful work, if you're working all the time and you're helping tons of people, but you never had the opportunity to spend time with people you love, then, you know, maybe you've missed out. But the combination is the essence. And so one of the things we talk about at Lotus all the time is it's not work-life balance, it's life-work balance because life comes first. Mm. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, uh, Deval, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Before we wrap up, uh, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Lotus Laboratories and the products and when they can get theirs? Uh, talk a little bit, if you would, about how people can connect with you. You're such a fascinating human being. I know people are going to want to follow you on social media. Some may have uh, strategic opportunities they want to connect with you over. So let people know how they can connect with you and, and go to next steps, whatever it might be for them. 
Sure. Um, probably the best way to connect with me is LinkedIn. Um, so to just to spell my name out, B as in David, H as in house, A as in alpha, V as in Victor, A as in house, A as in alpha, L as in London, Deval, last name Patel. Um, and so probably the best way to find me is LinkedIn. Um, you know, you could email me. Um, my email is at the bottom of our website. So lotuslabs.org. That's L-O-T-U-S-L-A-B-S dot O-R-G. If you scroll to the bottom, you can you can find my email address as well. Um, and in general, you know, the best way to reach out to us is scroll down to the end and put in your email and get in touch with us. That's um, that's the best way. And if you if you believe in this cause, if you believe in this mission, sign up. Go to the website, sign up, stay in touch with us. Let's stay connected and let's talk. I would love to to talk to other people that are affected by this, who know someone that's been affected by this, can connect us with organizations that want to serve this underserved and underrepresented community. And anyone really would be a pleasure to connect with. And, and, and Devin, I want to say thank you to you really, truly for, for doing this. I love, um, I love this mission that you've curated and um, that I could be a small part of it. And it's an honor and a privilege, truly. Oh, thank you. The honor and privilege is all ours. It's all ours. Thank you so much. Uh, I really uh, want to wish you every success. Uh, as as I start to add gray hair, I already see all the growing opportunities where I can use your ring. And I look forward to deploying that in my home. It's just going to be great. So thank you so, so much. We wish thank you, you every success. Every thank success. you so much. Thank you. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then, let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.